So something that you need to know about moms is that we have the ability to like radar know where the nearest Chick-fil-A is, um, right? Like if you're a mom, you're like, yeah. Well, maybe some of you that aren't moms, you're also like, I also know where the nearest Chick-fil-A is always. Um, but that feels like a special skill that has been developed in me. And last week, uh, the family were writing an errand, and it was morning time, so we told the kids we would get them Chick-fil-A for breakfast. And as we're leaving, you know, wherever we were in town, and you know, Matt starts to turn one way. And I'm like, where are you going? He's like, gonna go back to Chick-fil-A. I was like, dude, there's one like right down the street. Like, go there. And he's like, how do you know? I'm like, I you just know. Like, there's like this innate ability to know like wherever you are standing. You're like, okay, there's the nearest Chick-fil-A. Like it's just like what we what has been developed in me in motherhood. Um, and my uh, my sister-in-law just had a baby. Um, so I have a new niece, baby Emma, and she's adorable, and you guys can pray for them to move here. I'm, like, not too uh, proud to ask everybody to pray for my brother to move here. Um, but, so they just had a baby, and my sister and I were talking about, like, man, there's like, so much that she's just about to learn. She has no idea what's coming, and also, she's going to learn where all the Chick-fil-A's are. Mm-hmm. Like, that, <laughs> that's just, like, what happens. Um, and, anyway, it's just, like, this ability that all moms can do this. Um, skill that we have. And it's funny, like I was thinking about this because, you know, today we're actually talking about listening prayer. So you just like set me up really well for this. Um, but we're talking about listening prayer today, what it means to listen to God. And I think a lot of us approach that topic or we hear that phrase listening prayer and we think that is really great for some people. Some people have this like spidey sense to be able to like hear God, really clearly hear from the Lord, but that's not me. Um, right? Like that, I feel like that, that has been my assumption for, that was my assumption for many years. Like that's just not me. We make it out to be this really mystical experience that only few people get to have. Um, and the fact that our creator God communicates to us is extraordinary. Like there's no way around that. That is an incredibly extraordinary, um, attribute of God that he hears us and he talks to us. Um, But the way that he does that is actually more simple than we realize. We imagine that what it means to hear God is to hear this loud boom in the sky, right? Or to have this really clear and vivid dream that wakes us up in the middle of the night. Or to have a stranger walk up to us and say, I have this word from the Lord. Like that's kind of, I think, like one end of the spectrum that we go to when we talk about listening prayer. Um, But I think God's voice is a whole lot more familiar than we realize. And so before we get going, what I want to ask each of you to do is just suspend your judgment on what you think about listening prayer. Like just take a moment and just hold that loosely. Whatever preconceived ideas you have, hold that loosely. And instead I want us to approach this topic with curiosity um, and possibility and imagination Because I believe that each one of us in here has the ability to listen to and hear God's voice in an intimate, loving, familiar way. So I'm really excited for us tonight because I just feel like there is something that God wants to do in us to teach us about what it means to hear from him. So we've been in a series on prayer, and we've been looking at prayer through the lens of Jesus' examples that we see in Scripture. What did he do? How did he pray? Why did he pray? What did he pray for? Um, Last week, we considered the fact that Jesus, as our great high priest, prayed for fellow and future believers, and meaning that he prayed for you 
and he prayed for me, and that's a really beautiful and humbling truth, and that he still prays for us, that he is still interceding for us today. And also, we know that we have been called the kingdom of priests, and so we too have the ability to intercede for others, and we are called to do that, and it's a beautiful gift that we can offer others. Um, And so I hope you spent time this week considering what that looks like for you and how you could put that into practice. And so this week, we get to spend time learning about listening prayer. What does it mean to seek the voice of God? To actually listen and receive direction, to receive a word, to receive guidance. What does that look like? What does it mean to actually pray with the understanding that prayer is ultimately rooted in relationship with the Father? We learn how to relate to the Father in different ways and through different types of prayer. So with listening prayer, what we do is we ask the question, what does it look like to actually hear from God? And so when we say, listen to God, what does that really mean? We all have something that comes to our mind when we think about what does it mean to listen to God? And so for that, I want to kind of put up just a couple of things for us to consider. Um, Is it when a name crosses your mind, you know, to pray for that person or to reach out with a text or, you know, check in with them? Is it a convicting thought that crosses your mind, that catches you in a moment? Is it clarity or an inspired thought that motivates you to action, that helps propel you to make a decision or to move in a certain direction? Is that what we mean when we talk about listening to God? Yeah, I think that that is part of what we're talking about here. I think that it can be any of those things. Um, Read with me in 1 Corinthians I think Matt's going to pop it up on the screen. Um, okay. So what, what first, we're gonna, I'm just going to look at 1 Corinthians 2 for a second. And I would encourage you guys to spend some time reading this passage this week, um, kind of just dwelling on it and looking at what Paul is teaching. But I want to look at specifically verses 15 and 16. So what it says is, The person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. So when Paul says here that we have the mind of Christ, he's getting at something really profound. We can actually know the thoughts of God. So through the practice of listening prayer, we can begin to distinguish God's voice and his heart from everything else that can occupy our minds. I can know God's mind. That's what scripture is telling us. We can know the mind of Christ. But that also raises more questions, right? Like that doesn't feel like a complete answer. Uh, For me, at least it raises a lot more questions. Okay, well, how do we know if it's God's voice? What if we don't hear anything? How do we grow in this? What does this actually look like? So um, let's first do some review on prayer, kind of looking back. Um, And then I want to dive into the scriptures. I want to look at, consider how Jesus sought God, the Father. How did he listen to him in prayer? And then ultimately, I want us to spend some time looking at what does that look like for us today? Kind of put some practical things out there for us. Remember, as a church community, as a family of believers here, our hope is that we are always growing and looking more and more like Jesus. We say that all the time, right? We want to 
be like Jesus, become, be with Jesus, and do the things that Jesus did. Those things matter to us. So as we learn to make time and space to dwell with God, we grow in our attentiveness to him, and we increasingly know how to hear him and obediently follow his direction. So in light of all of that, let me pray for us, and then we'll look through a little bit more. Okay. God, I'm so thankful for today. I'm so thankful for your word. I'm thankful for the consistency that you gave, um, you gave to me and you gave to Laura and you're giving us to each of us here, Lord, to hear from you, to hear what it means to actually listen, that we would grow as men and women who, um, who really pursue listening to you, Lord. I pray you would sharpen our hearts, our ears, our minds, expand our imagination to know what it means to actually hear from you, God. Amen. Okay, so I believe that the starting point for all significant words of God, um, works of God through us is prayer. It's in prayer. It is in prayer that we have the opportunity to interact with the Spirit of God and then participate in the work of bringing redemption and reconciliation to the world and healing into our lives and the lives of people around us. It, is, um, it starts with us in prayer. And my heart longs for each of us in this room to truly see prayer as a starting point for all of the challenges that we face, for the opportunities that we have, for the relationships that are good and the relationships that are hard, um, for the places that we need healing and hope. I said this last week, but hear it again, that prayer is not our last resort. It is our starting point. That shift alone, if we can make that shift in our mind, that has the power to change so much for us. So prayer is simply a conversation with God. Now, a common rephrasing of that is saying prayer is simply talking to God, right? We hear that feels familiar to say prayer is simply talking to God. Well, what's wrong with that? It's not meant to be us simply talking to God. That's an incomplete thought of prayer. Um, we say that with such good intentions to encourage us to pray, right? Just talk to God. That's all it is. But that's not all that it is. And I really want to push into that today. Prayer is seeking the Lord, both in talking and in listening. And when conversations work well in any kind of relationship, it's two-sided, right? I feel confident that one reason we lose interest in prayer is because we get bored with just hearing ourselves speak. We will lose enthusiasm for prayer if it is just a list of requests. It will feel boring and dutiful because it is boring. It is boring to just continuously talk to yourself, um, to talk, be the only one talking. Um, or maybe we doubt that God would care so much about our day-to-day, -day, right? About the day-to-day -day issues in our lives. Would he really speak into something so ordinary as my day at work, right? Or the mundane tasks um, that we do around the house. So ask yourself this. Are you just bored with prayer? Like, is that really what's going on? Are you just bored with prayer? And if so... Have you stopped to consider why? Why are you just bored? Because I always want us to go deeper, right, in figuring out what is really going on. Like, we can give surface-level answers, but what good, how far does that actually get us? We have to keep digging in and figuring out what is really going on. So ask yourself, why? 
What is preventing you from prayer? What is boring to you about prayer? And could it be that you're just tired of hearing your own voice? Matt and I have this uh, joke like, between the two of us that I have really high expectations for date night. Um, and he's right. I do have high expectations for date night, like to be clear. <laughs> but I don't, it's not about like where we go or, um, you know, what we do or what he's wearing or what I'm wearing. Like, it's not about that. It truly is about like, how is the conversation? Like, are you ready to bring your A game? And am I going to do it? Like, like, I actually, like, think about, like, okay, what are we going to, here are the things that I want to talk about. Here are the questions I want to have. I'm kind of high maintenance. On, <laughs> um, but the point, the reason why is because I want him to know me, right? And I want to know him. And communication is key in our friendship. The back and forth conversation that we have, that's how we stay connected to each other. It's how we value and how we know each other. I don't want to only talk to Matt when we need to divvy up responsibilities, right? Um, or I don't even want, I don't have to talk to Matt if we have a shared calendar, right? We don't like we don't have to go over those things and be like just check the calendar. You know what we're supposed to be doing. Um, but what is hard about that, right? Do we actually feel known to each other if we don't if we're not in communication? Um, do we feel loved by one another? No, it's not a good relationship. But man, how often do we settle for that with the Lord? We don't want to only approach God when we need something or when we have something to say. We approach God because we need him. Like, that's it. That is why, well, that is our motivation in approaching God is because we simply need God. So I want to look at, we're going to look at Luke chapter 6 today and look at an example of Jesus and prayer. So if you can turn there, Luke chapter 6, we're going to start at verse 12. Okay, so Luke 6 says, One of these days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray, and he spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him, and he chose 12 of them, whom he also designated the apostles. I think we can stop there. Uh, okay, so we see, so he designate, he picks the 12 apostles. Those are his people. Before he does that, he spends a night in prayer, aligning his will with God the Father's. And what he's doing here is he's seeking out the will of the Father prior to making this decision. Um, it's an obviously very big decision that impacts his ministry and his life. Like, we know that. We're, we've, we have the story. We know how big of a decision this is. Um, and so seeing his communion with God the Father before he takes this action, that's a really important example for us. There's a dependence upon God that comes into focus through this example. And as I mentioned this last week, I believe our dependence on God is revealed through our prayer life. So Jesus' choice of the 12 disciples followed his conflict with the Jewish leaders. If you look back a few verses, you'll see that Jesus had been dealing with the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. There was the conflict with, you know, how you spend your Sabbath. Um, in verse 12, Luke writes that they were furious and they began to kind of plot and discuss what they could do to Jesus. So while that's all happening in the background, like that's going on in Jesus' life, Jesus still decides to go and spend the night in prayer before selecting these apostles. 
So in view of this mounting hostility, it was imperative that he received direction from his father. That is such an important example to us because we are so easily tempted, right, to give in to the pressures around us, how quickly we become swayed and influenced by others. If we have people-pleasing tendencies, this is a real temptation to seek the approval of others rather than the wisdom of God. But Jesus is not swayed. And instead, in spite of the opposition and the hostility that's going on, he seeks the Father. Jesus has a need for prayer, and he also receives what he needs in prayer. So when there is conflict or hostility going on, it is really hard to think straight. It's distracting, it's time-consuming, and so making other wise choices feels especially hard. All the more reason to follow the example of Jesus. Don't run wild with your situation, but run to God and let him steady you in that situation. We see in this passage, Luke Luke writes how Jesus goes to a mountain or or a hill, um, and that was a traditional place to pray, It provided seclusion. So Luke is the only gospel to actually mention this, uh, Jesus' all night of prayer that he pulls before he asks the disciples. Um, But what it shows here, again, is his conscious dependence on God. And we know Luke, what what I like about it is because Luke pulls that out, and then Luke also writes Acts, and we see here that we have this example in Luke, and then we have so many examples in Acts of the early church following this example of Jesus. Um, So, you know, spend time in Acts this week kind of digging around and seeing how they follow this example of Jesus pursuing um, the Father in prayer. So throughout the Gospels, we see that Jesus talked to and he listened to the voice of the Father. And this was normal for Jesus, and so it can be normal for us. In this example, in Luke, we see that Jesus seeks God's will before making this big decision. But there are plenty more examples of Jesus spending time in prayer with the Lord, um, not just when he's needy for direction. So don't take my word for it. Like, I never want you to just hear what I say and then just take it for what it's worth. Like, go and wrestle with God's word on your own. And so um, here's a starting point for you. Um, If you go to Luke, you can just, like, browse through all these different verses. These are just a handful of verses where you'll see Jesus regularly communing with God the Father in prayer. Um, He regularly made time for this, and he oftentimes we went away for it. So not just when he has to make a big decision. And that's a really important thing for us because I think most of us can get on board with knowing, well, I definitely need to pray before making this really big decision. But it's so much more than that. And so um, look around scriptures this week and find other uh, parts in scripture where Jesus pursues God in prayer. Um, And listen, I know that there are people who do not believe that God speaks to us today. I know that there are uh, other like not just people who don't believe in God, but there are other Christians who believe that God does not speak to us today. And honestly, that just makes me really sad. Um, Because imagine a life without a God who doesn't speak to us. Imagine a life without a God who speaks. What kind of God would stop speaking to his people? What kind of father would stop speaking to his children? Imagine if I told my children, I've written it all down for you, and that's it. Where is the relationship in that? There's no relationship. It's at least one-dimensional. So how small of us to think that there is nothing to listen to 
to listen for. The reality is, is that I think we struggle to listen to God when we are not in trouble and when we're not facing a big decision that we don't know how to handle. I think we really struggle to make that effort, to make that space to listen to God. Um, Dallas Willard has this really great book called Hearing God, and in it he has the, <laughs> wait, where did that, <laughs> yes, it's a, it's a fantastic book, everybody go, go and read it, um, but I'm going to put this quote up for us that he has, um, he says, do we seek God's voice only under uncomfortable circumstances? Our answer may reveal that our failure to hear his voice when we want is due to the fact that we do not, in general, want to hear it. That we want it only when we think we need it. Oh, that gets me, doesn't it? Oh, man. Um, that, that feels really convicting. And yet we know that our greatest need is oneness with God. In Jesus, there was a surrendered heart and a submissive spirit to God the Father. So could it be that we are just uninterested in surrendering and submitting to the voice of God in our lives? And sometimes it can be intimidating to ask God to speak. What kind of things we might expect the Father to say? Are we willing to hear and receive it? Or are we just interested in talking without listening? So when we listen to God... When we listen for his voice, there are a few things to use kind of as a grid. Um, these are guardrails, parameters, your boundaries that he has wisely set. I want to walk through kind of some practical things of what that looks like to actually um, take the step to actually listen to God. What does that look like? So when we are listening to God, um, there's a couple of things to ask. And the first one is, does this line up with scripture? God will never contradict his word. If it does not align with scripture, it is not of God. And it doesn't mean that it will actually be scripture. Like, I love that example that Lori gave about, you know, bringing Exodus to your mind. Like, that was a beautiful picture that she was able to then put into action. Um, so sometimes he does bring scripture to mind. But whatever it is, it will not contradict scripture. Now, here's the thing. You have to know God's word to know if what you're hearing is true or not. You guys know I'm passionate about people like being in the word, reading their Bible, actually knowing scripture for yourself, not just receiving it by, from somebody else. Because if we don't know what we believe, if we don't know the teachings of Jesus, the one that we are saying we're following, we want to look like him, if we don't know that, then we're not going to be able to recognize the difference between what is true and what isn't. You know that the, the best lies out there are the ones that look closest to the truth. So unless scripture guards us, unless scripture guards and directs us by the power of the Holy Spirit, we can run around with our desires, with our own desires and plans, and then declare it to be in the name of Jesus. And that is dangerous. There is a real temptation that people have of power and control. And that temptation is really help it really is tempting to manipulate God's voice to match our desires. Our root, is, uh, our root is to be in Scripture. We are rooted in Scripture, partnered with the Holy Spirit. So to follow Jesus is to follow God's Word, because Scripture says that Jesus is the Word made flesh. God's Word is a firm foundation, our steady rock, our anchor in the sea, and without knowing it, we cannot discern the voice of God. 
God's voice will always line up with scripture and to correctly discern when God is speaking to us, we need to keep the word and spirit together. Um, I love the way Paul Miller also has a great book on um, prayer. What's it called? A Praying Life. Yeah, it's great. Another one you can read. Okay. Um, He has this quote. I'm going to pipe here too. He says, we need the sharp edged, absolute character of the word and the intuitive personal leading of the spirit. The word provides the structure and the vocabulary, and the spirit personalizes it to our life. Keeping the word and spirit together guards us from the danger of God talk becoming a cover for our own desires and the danger of lives isolated from God. We have to have the word with the spirit. So the, sec- the first question is, does it line up with Scripture? The second one is, does it bring God glory? So whether it's a gentle nudge towards repentance or motivation to do something or a word of encouragement or affirmation, does it honor God? Are you compelled to forgive somebody? Is there anyone that you need to forgive that God keeps bringing to mind? Forgiveness brings God's glory. Are you compelled to love? Are you compelled to practice kindness or self-control? Those things bring God glory. So does what you hear bring glory and honor to God? So does it bring God glory? The third question to ask is, does it tear me down or does it build me up? And that is a super important one. I can quickly know that I am not hearing God's voice when I am hearing things like, you can't do this. Who are you to think you can do that? They don't know what you've done. You're a mess. You have made so many bad decisions. You have got a lot of crap going on. Try harder. Do better. Like those, none of that is the voice of God. On and on it goes, right? Like we all have those tapes that we play in our head. And this feels so simple to say, um, but listen, God's voice does not speak guilt or shame or condemnation. That is never God's voice. Romans 8.1 tells us, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Why? Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. If the spirit does show us where something is off in our life, he calls us to repentance. But it is not in shame, but to bring us to a place where we can experience more of his love and healing and freedom It's his kindness that leads us to repentance. It is not shame. Our minds, they can condemn us. Um, The enemy absolutely condemns us. But God has so much more respect and love for you than you have for yourself. And so whatever negative things you're hearing, whatever voices are telling you something that is allowing you to just sit and feel guilty and shame and condemnation and embarrassment, that is not the voice of God. So the question for us is, do we recognize God's voice? I love the teaching of Jesus in John 10 about Jesus being the good shepherd. 
His sheep know who to listen to because they know their shepherd's voice. Imagine someone that you're close to. You have learned the sound of their voice, but you didn't always know their voice. You learned it. To recognize God's voice comes with experience. So are you familiar with God's voice? His sheep follow him because they know his voice. God's voice does not condemn you. It lines up with his word. It brings him glory. It is powered by love. When God speaks and we recognize the voice as his, when we recognize the thought that is crossing through our mind as his, we do that because that familiarity that we have enables us to recognize his voice. So there's a big problem, though, that we have when it comes to hearing the voice of God. We are a distracted, hurried people, and God won't compete for our attention. So we need to seek to hear his voice. Our responsibility, we do have a responsibility in this, and our responsibility is to cultivate a listening heart in the midst of the distractions from, that are around us, that are within us and around us. So find your space where the distractions cease. Maybe for you, this is not for me. Maybe for you, it's going on a run. Um, maybe it's something to do when you're in the shower or you have to go into your closet. Um, leave your phone behind. That feels like a really obvious thing, but bears needing to be said over and over again. Um, leave your phone behind. Figure out how to clear the external distractions in your life. But then there's also the internal distractions, right? Our minds race with to-do lists and phone calls to make and errands to run and papers we need to fill out. Um, there's always something. For me, I find it really important that when I'm sitting um, to pray, I have to have a pad of paper right next to me and I just have to take those thoughts out and dump them on my paper. Um, and so that's how I clear, help clear my mind um, from my distracted thoughts. Um, Another practice that a friend taught me, and I love to share this with others, has to do with our breathing. Now, I read a book earlier this year on breathing um, and just how helpful it is to just calm your nervous system, to help us think more clearly, to make us healthier people. Um, so I think there's also something that breathing does for our spiritual lives. So here, I'm going to share this with you guys. I want you to put it to try it out this week and see, um, see if it connects with you. So essentially, it's learning how to breathe in and out as, as a rhythm. Um, but you're breathing in and out the word Yahweh. So you breathe in Yah, and you breathe out way. And the word Yahweh is the name of the Lord. It's God's personal name. It's used in the context of God having a relationship with people. So when the Lord is personally involved with his people, Yahweh is what he is called. So we breathe his name in, and we breathe his name out. So we breathe in yaw, and you breathe out way. And I do this. I breathe in yaw, and I breathe out way. I breathe in and out his name. And for me, that helps to settle my mind. It settles my racing thoughts. It unhurries my mind, and it unhurries my body, so that I may sit with the Lord like a sheep to her shepherd, like a daughter to her father, 
like a friend to a friend. That's a really important part of, for me of listening to God is calming myself down, clearing the distractions, and being present to God. Because the point is to practice being present with him. So when I get to that space, and then what I would encourage you guys to do is then ask God, what do you want to show me? What do you want me to know about this thing? Maybe there's nothing in particular that you're wanting to ask God, but what do you want me to know today? What do you want me to know about your character? What do you want me to know about myself? How do you see me right now? Have you ever asked God to tell you how he sees you? It's a really powerful question you can ask. Maybe you will need to ask, what is the next step that you want me to take? And then here's the next challenge. Don't judge or analyze. Just notice. Pay attention. Don't get frustrated if nothing comes to mind right away. That's okay. Write it down if something does come to mind. And keep this in mind. The character of God is always true, all of the time, which means that God is completely mysterious, and also he completely pursues his children. He is completely good. He is completely with us, and he is completely mysterious. And I said that before, but I feel like it is so important for me whenever I'm engaging in prayer and I'm learning about prayer and I'm praying, it really matters to me to remember that one of God's attributes is that he is mysterious. To hold all of those things at the same time. Ultimately, what God desires is a relationship with us. His entire motive is relationship. And that's good news because our biggest need is oneness with God. So praise God that intimacy is what he is after. There isn't a decision in our lives that God doesn't care for and reign over. So yeah, talk to God about all of that. But also, listen. Make time to listen. Listen to God and trust that God will answer. Because the question isn't, does God speak? The question is, do you listen? So I want to, we're going to take some time right now to have communion. Um, so if you guys have your communion things, if not, grab them if you can. Because we've talked about how it is all about relationship. And the good news is that because of Jesus, we have access to God. We are invited to dwell with God. And God delights to speak and be in relationship with us. But we are not compelled to listen to God if we are not living a life that is surrendered and submissive to him first. It is our surrendered heart, our awareness of our weakness and our neediness that brings us to the table. And it is God who meets us here, who invites us in by his grace, by his resurrection. So we take the bread and we acknowledge our surrendered heart and we say, thank you, God. Thank you, God.
And all of life, all of Jesus, his life, his death, his resurrection, his eventual return to us, it is all motivated by relationship. So when we talk to God and when we listen to God, we say, thank you, God, for seeking a relationship with us and by Jesus, but making a way for that to be our reality. So we drink the cup and we say again, thank you, God. Let me pray for us. Lord, mature us into people who hear and recognize your voice. God, we thank you for being our creator, God, who delights in a relationship with us. We thank you that your motivation is relationship with us, God. May we come to you with surrendered and submissive hearts, ready to listen to you, God. Speak to us. Shape us to be men and women who hear from you. Amen.